0: In New York, call 8778-HOPE-N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast coming at you live uh, this Wednesday night. Hopefully, this platform, uh, we are using it for the second time, StreamYard, which is streaming to YouTube. Hopefully, you all are seeing our beautiful faces, hearing our wonderful voices. A lot to get to tonight. A ton to get to tonight. Before we kind of uh, let you know what's going on, I want to bring in my co-host, John Sheeran. John. How are you, man? You got us a good get for a guest tonight.
2: Yeah, we'll say that announcement for later, but how was how the, the Pacific Northwest? How was that rain? How was uh, that rain? That kind of uh, came out of nowhere.
1: So it was crazy, dude. Um, I, I want to talk about that before. Well, yeah, I'll talk about that. Um, so it was crazy. The rain was, uh, it kind of dumped on us for about 15 minutes or so in the game. It was coming down pretty hard, but then it just stopped and then it was sunny. really wasn't that cold. It was pretty awesome. Um so, you know, that that the game itself was really fun. The stadium was awesome. Uh, the Seahawks fans were very cordial. And, John, believe it or not, I was recognized in a number of places, as obviously subsequently you were, even though you weren't there. But they recognized us from this podcast. A lot of P- Bengals fans that are, were in Seattle recognized me walking down the street and in a, a restaurant bar before the game. Inside the stadium they recognized us, met a lot of cool people, uh i remember brandon and dalton and eric and a lot of others out there um i know there were some others that wanted to meet up with us i wanted to meet up with you as well unfortunately just uh, it was a real quick trip but had a great time it was great meeting all of those Bengals fans i got to also see a a friend of mine that um you know kind of knows other friends and my wife and all kinds of stuff so that was kind of cool Um, really good experience and, uh, it poured and actually thundered, which is rare, uh, Saturday night, which was different, but all in all good experience. I I appreciate you asking, but, uh, I was very flattered that people recognized me, recognized us, know what we do and listen to our show, man. It was, uh, it was pretty cool.
2: So, so did they ask like where I was when they saw you essentially?
1: Uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, they're like, Where, where's John? I said, Well he's he, he couldn't That's, make that, it. That um, is the ego that so, is the ego
2: boost on, Yeah, there you go. Well, well some people thought
1: some people were like, Hey, they kinda saw my, my brother, uh, and they're like, That's not John, is it? I'm like, No, it's my brother. It's not, you know. <laughs> uh so yeah, I mean that in that case. But um they definitely talked about liking the show and I was just really flattered, man. It was really cool. Really cool. The celebrity. Uh, uh, no, 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 are,
2: are you, are you a C or a D list at this point?
1: Uh, I'm probably D minus dude. I'm, I'm <laughs> D minus after that, but it was really cool meeting and talking with a bunch of people and um, really cool experience. Uh, Bengals came up a little bit short, so that kind of stunk, but we will talk about that. We're going to break down the Bengals one point loss to the Seahawks. We'll talk about that. We've got a little bit of new Bengals news and notes to get to. So we will get to that We have a special guest, as I teased early on, my co-host, John Sheeran, uh, locked this one in for us. Eric Davis, former Super Bowl champion, former Pro Bowl cornerback who played for the Panthers and 49ers, among a couple of other teams. He will be joining us. He is now part of the Believe in 49ers podcast host. He's been on the NFL Network. He's a really popular guy. Stoked to have him on. We're going to preview the week two matchup with the 49ers with him coming up about midway through the show. And then we're going to kind of close it up with some observations and predictions of our own for week two, some other little tidbits of information, announcements, all that stuff. We'll get to it all. We are so grateful that you are joining us live. And for those who download the, the program after the fact, thank you for your support as well. You can get this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone, you can get it on YouTube once again now, and, and in the great quality that we, we love to bring it to you. You can get it on YouTube and Cincy Jungle. Thanks for your support. We're excited that the season has started and uh, getting you more and more content. John, what, what do we say we started off, man? A lot to talk about with the week one game. There is a lot of hair, tear out, frustrating moments by the team a lot of people think it's a pleasant surprise as to even losing by a point in that venue against that quality opponent. Um, let, let's kind of start with the offense. Uh, you know, Zach, the big thing was the offense because of Zach Taylor coming in and offensive mind. What were your thoughts on that? Because the Bengals, Andy Dalton had a career day, but they couldn't run the football, but super efficient in terms of the pass game. I mean, I have some observations of my own, but I'd like to to hear yours in terms of what you saw from the offense specifically to start off as our breakdown here against the Seahawks.
2: I think we saw an equal balance of new things that are very much welcomed and some old things that still kind of need to be put on the back burner. And for the things that we'd like to see was the fact that they, they knew that Seattle was going to sell out to stop the run, right? And they the Seahawks were in their base defense for the most of the game, trying to contain Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard. So what did the Bengals do? They passed like 90% of the time for the first 20 or so, or so plays. They realized that, hey, we're not having success running the ball against this, this defensive front. They obviously are very talented there. And their linebacker, specifically Bobby Wagner, completely stuffed the run game. Second level blocking was just not there all game. So, what did the Bengals do? They didn't try to keep establishing the run. They just stuck to the pass. They stuck to what worked for that, for against that defense and for that specific game plan. And Andy Dalton ended up with a career high in yards without AJ Green, which is something that I don't think any of us per- predicted at all, even if that secondary is still extremely weak. And that's exactly what we saw. We saw John Ross, Tyler Boyd, Dam- Damien Willis for a couple plays, you know, both CJ Zoma and Tyler Eifert looks so much more open so much more separation on some of those classic routes that we just are just not used to seeing in the past in, in these Bengals offense with Andy Dalton he looked a lot more calm and collected in po- in some collapsing pockets when things were kind of breaking down in front of him and we just saw the ball get out in a timely fashion unfortunately the things that Still didn't like to see and still kind of remind me of, of some some unfortunate offenses in years past. Was the fact that in the second half, you know, when things weren't exactly working, they weren't exactly adjusting the way I expected them to. Um, they, they, you know, not only was the run game not working, but obviously the Seahawks started, you know, shut down on the in the pass game a little bit, and then the offensive line kind of broke down as well. Like it, it held up for most of the game throughout the first half, and they got they kind of got away with it. But unfortunately, on one of their last drives, and resulted in Rainey Bullock's second field goal of the day. You had an Andre Smith hold and a Bobby Hart pressure that basically n- n- nullified the drive going all the way down to the three, and they ended up kicking a short field goal. So those offensive line issues are still a persistent problem, and I do believe that they kind of influenced – the fact that they didn't go for it on fourth and seven because they didn't believe that the offensive line could buy Andy enough time to convert, you know, on his own forty-four yard line. So I do think that there's still significant issues at offensive tackle. Obviously, when you have Andre Smith and Bobby Hart starting, and they kind of got stale in the second half, which is something I didn't want to see, especially against the defense that they were torching so so easily. So I think it was an equal mix, but the positives I think are enough to come away with this game feeling more good than bad.
1: Okay, we'll talk about more more about the overall feelings and takeaways from this game uh, in just a, just a minute. But I, you know, I had an interesting vantage point, a much different vantage point than I usually do from my from my couch. Um, I was uh, my you know my brother found these tickets that were actually two rows from the field and they were on the visitor sideline, so uh, got a really interesting view. In terms of what was happening during the game one of the things i saw and i wrote about this on cincy jungle one of the things i saw that i really really liked you know you mentioned maybe some of those in-game adjustments fell by the wayside a little bit as the game wore on but i saw throughout most of it a lot of in-series switching out of guys, a lot more substitutions. I mean, the C.J. Uzama and Tyler Eifert, I mean, it was almost like every play. It was boom, they're in, they're out, they're moving around in different... Uh, That, to me, was very, uh, very impressive. And maybe that's what a lot of good offenses do in general around the NFL. But watching this team, as we have over the past few years, that has not really been the case. So that, to me, I thought was very interesting. I also saw... You know, some people were critical of Andy Dalton missing a throw. They thought he was missing a throw to Tyler Boyd and where, you know, he maybe threw the ball and Tyler Boyd slipped. I saw more of just a freak accident. Tyler Boyd slipped on a cut uh, because it looked like he was making a cut in and that was where the throw was supposed to go. And given the fact that it had just rained, it was turf, it was slippery, um, you know, it just kind of didn't work out. That was a big play that was missed. Overall, you know, Andy Dalton... Slightly under threw some balls, but um, you know he hit John Ross uh, on some big plays. John Ross had uh, you know an outstanding day, but also a maddening day. A couple of drops, um, but overall, I mean, you gotta like what you saw from the offense, and especially because Dalton really wasn't the most impressive quarterback of the trio they kept in the preseason. Um, but he was really throwing to spots, throwing guys open, and and uh, you know guys were getting open. There's a lot of separation and. Uh, You got to like that. Um, I don't know if you have any more additional thoughts on the offense. I do want to, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the defense though as well, John, because that was, I think even an even more surprising performance Four sacks only gave up 20 points to a Seattle team at home. Um, I I thought that was a great job by Lou Anarumo. A lot of mixing up and masking of deficiencies. I thought on that, on that side of the ball,
2: I was charting the game the other day and I didn't start um counting the different variations of defensive line fronts until about the second quarter. But through like you know the last two thirds of that game, I got through nine different permutations of how they group that defensive line, whether they had five guys when they were in their five two or three four front, whatever you want to call it, or when they were in just in their in their basic four two nickel fronts. But they had a ton of guys routine and then you mentioned on the offensive side of the ball. But with on the defensive line you have nine guys active and pretty much every one of them except renal Ren, Wren got equal opportunities and multiple spots. You had Josh Tupo playing both nose tackle and three technique. You had Ryan Glasgow playing a lot of one technique instead of Andrew Billings in, in your base four man fronts, but also you had Billings in Glasgow and Atkins um, alongside him at, at three technique. And then you obviously you had the stars of the defense in, in uh, Carlos Stunlap and Sam Hubbard um, aligned as like a three, four outside linebacker in a two point stance and handling multiple responsibilities that come with that that with that position. And it was, Arguably Sam Hubbard's best game of his career. And we've talked about Sam Hubbard um over the offseason as a potential breakout performer. And it really, it really does feel like he's lived up to the hype. It really does feel like all of that praise coming out of the building for him is really culminating into a special product on the field. Two sacks, uh, I think 10 combined tackles, a ton of defensive stops in the run game. And just you know, Hubbard, Dunlap, Nick Vigil, who was who was a QB spy for most of the game, did a great job of containing Russell Wilson. And that was something that also Seahawks fans were talking about. You know, he, he looked kind of frazzled for, for a while there. He wasn't able to escape the pocket, make plays on his own and, and really extend plays out of the pocket and throwing receivers open when he's going towards the sideline. that was so critical, at least early on in the game, when the Seahawks offense was very stale and they, they weren't running the ball successfully. But they weren't letting w- Wilson kind of do his own thing, which is unfortunately a problem in that Seahawks offense and the problem that I was grateful to witness. But. You know, I think they had a great plan for, for how to contain Wilson and holding them to 21 points, even though they only had like three receivers playing, I think it was definitely a win for the defense. Definitely a great statement made by Lou Anarumo.
1: Yeah, uh, and I thought, you know, they he he and this coaching staff did what, what I think is, is their strength as a staff because they're, you know, for the most part, younger, innovative, more innovative minds. They know this is a flawed roster. In certain spots, and they what they did is they created plays and schemes and mismatches to maximize the strengths and mask mask the weaknesses. And I really thought that was the case on defense with the linebacker play and getting. They know they have the talent up front to get after the quarterback, which they did, uh, and really didn't let Russell Wilson do much of anything with his legs, um, which you know is is a big statement in itself. So um, you know, I, I think uh, I think there is. Uh, you know Keith Brewer in the live YouTube chat talks about Sam Mother Hubbard, um, woohoo, who day. So yeah, Sam Hubbard had a big day. So very good day by the defense. Look, this is, the big question now, John is, you know, you take you take the offensive performance which was outstanding as a passing game, especially minus Cordy Glenn, minus AJ Green. Um, you lose Joe Mixon midway through the game. Not great as a running game. I mentioned some of the. Issues of those guys missing. Um, Defensively, overall, a pretty sound game. A very up and down day from the special teams unit. Uh, Randy Bullock misses a critical field goal. Alex Erickson has an uncharacteristic fumble on a punt return. But Kevin Huber had a good day. I guess where I'm going with this is uh, how encouraged are you here? Um, I I hate to talk about moral victories because if you lose, you lose, right? Um, But... Quite honestly, when we were talking to people downtown and talking to, to Bengals fans there, none of us knew what to expect in terms of, you know, it was either going to be a blowout or it was going to be something like this, right? So, and blowout, blowout not in the Bengals' favor. Right. Um, so, I guess, how encouraged are you? I, my I, I kind of waver because I'm like, well, this was a very tough game in a tough venue and the Bengals showed a lot that I liked. But there are the silly mistakes that come from an inexperienced roster, a roster full of new coaches, turnovers. I don't know. I I, I kind of weigh that, and I, I don't really know where to sit.
2: Well, you say silly mistakes by an inexperienced roster, when most of the mistakes I saw in the first half came from one of the more experienced guys in Drake or Patrick. And unfortunately... That's kind of what you get with with, with Dre. Everything kind of evens out to to the medium when you take into account of all of his dumb mistakes. His personal foul penalty and his missed tackle essentially gave up seven points. He also tripped. He also recovered the the Preston Brown fumble. And, yeah, he kind of got tripped up by DK Metcalf, but it looked like he just tripped on his leg. So I'm still going to let the jokes fly with that one. So he almost cost the Bengals 14 points in that sense. But regardless, uh, for as much as the, the troubles that Andre Smith and Bobby Art had, I don't think they had a false start all game in, in a very hostile environment in, in Seattle. So that was a positive to take away from that. I, I think it, it, at the end of the day, like it looked better than I thought. And they looked better than a lot of people thought. They were going to look. They moved up like six spots in NFL.com power rankings. I think six more spots in the athletic power rankings. Like this team is intriguing at the very least. We don't know if they're going to be good or not because there's still so much unknown. There's still a lot of guys who are injured. And the schedule could be either very tough or very easy depending on how other teams fare out, but regardless, this was a game that not nobody expected them to win, and they were very close to doing so. And with, with that said, with the fact that they missed they missed a forty-five yard field goal, they almost returned a, a fumble for a touch for a touchdown. You have your quarterback, you know, have a freak fumble inside the red zone right after that fumble recovery. The Seahawks also made a lot of mistakes too. You know, their 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 game plan on offense was definitely not very smart for what the Bengals were doing, and the fact that they just kept trying to run the ball when it just wasn't working. Um, the, the the fact that on that John Ross second touchdown, that free safety took one of the worst angles and timed the worst jumps I've ever seen. If that's a right. Thomas back there, that might be an interception. And, it, and instead it's a 55 yard touchdown to John Ross. But I think you can kind of go back and forth for some of these. And I definitely think that the refs were probably more on the side of the Bengals, they, they you know. I think there was more calls against Seattle that were a little bit questionable. There was that pass, pass interference challenge that ended up going Cincinnati's way. It was kind of it was kind of evening out for all the um, intangible factors that didn't happen on the field. And um, unfortunately, w- when you're facing a team on the road where they haven't lost a home opener in 10 years against one of the very elite quarterbacks in the NFL, a one-point loss is definitely far from the worst. So yes, no moral victories, but there's definitely more positives to take away from this game than I think a lot of us expected to going in.
1: Yeah. Uh, vape guy, who I think is our good friend, John from Cincinnati. Uh, Zach is reminding me of Sam Weish. We're already 100% better than with Marvin. Uh, Will Smith says, I like the fact that Ross dropped the easy one. Then the next play, they went back at him. Mar- Marvin would have benched him. Um, you know, so uh, there's uh, I, there's some uh, echoing sentiments there. You know, I, uh, I I tend to agree with you, John. I mean, you look at the disparity of the total yards. You uh, they. They had, I think, almost 200 total yards more than the uh, Seattle Seahawks. They had about 200 plus yards more of passing than the Seattle Seahawks. They hogged the ball for more than 12, uh, almost 12 minutes more in terms of time of possession. But then you look at it three turnovers versus one. Um, You know, the sacks, they gave up five, they had four. Uh, You know, there's just, there's a lot of stuff where you go, ah, you know, it's t- it's tough to weigh. I think overall we should all be encouraged. I think this team, they may have known a little something that none of us did. They talked the talk, but they went out there and, and for the most part walked quite a bit of the walk. They keep claiming they're going to be competitive and, and all of that. You mentioned an interesting facet about who knows what's going to happen with the schedule based on what Cleveland looked, looked like and what Pittsburgh looked like in, in week one. Good Lord, terrible Terrible showings. Yeah, that me feel players. better
2: at the end of the night.
1: Yeah, terrible showings by those teams. So, um, you know, who knows? They could they could be off to a little bit of an e- easier uh, start on that front going forward. But obviously, they need to get guys healthy. That the, the tough thing is, you know, these first four games, which are critical, um, three of them are on the road uh, this week against the 49ers being the exception. So um, some tough tough stuff ahead. But for you know, for now, I think we should all be encouraged as to what the Bengals showed against what should be a quality Seahawks team in one of the toughest venues in the NFL and in not great weather. So um, you know, I think all those variables play into the uh, the Bengals' corner in terms of potential future outlook. This is the Orange Black Insider Bengals podcast. We're going to be joined in just a few minutes by Eric Davis, former Pro Bowl cornerback for this, the, the San Francisco 49ers. He's going to help us preview the Week 2 game between the Bengals and the Niners coming up here. We're excited to have him on. Um, but uh, you can get this show, in case you're new to it, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. You can get it on Megaphone. You can get it on YouTube and cincyjungle.com. Before we bring in Eric Davis, John, uh, just some news and notes. And I think you wrote on some of this, um, one of which, is, well, a lot of it actually has to do with A.J. Green, either people talking about A.J. Green, A.J. Green talking really for the first time since his injury. You put up a post, I believe it was on Wednesday, Tyler Boyd talking about uh, you know A.J. Green's return. Not many people are going to be talking about the Browns uh, anymore nothing more than kind of hype up speak from a player or I don't, I, I don't know. How do you feel about that?
2: That's Tyler Boyd, man, like him and Joe Mixon just have that bravado and that, and that confidence to them. And I, I think it, it would have a little bit more weight if they didn't have to wait like three months until they play them. I think they, they play them the first time in like the first week of December, who knows if Cleveland's going to be good or bad by then. Who knows if the Bengals are going to be good or bad by then. So th- those, those matchups will have some extra heat with them, but no, nah, man, like, I I think there's just momentum right now with how this offense looked. And I think just the recent development with AJ kind of just put everybody in good spirits. And the fact that AJ is, you know, talking up Zach Taylor in in ways that he never really talked of Marvin Lewis before talking about, you know, how smart he is on the sideline and, you know, talking about in-game adjustments, actually just mentioning that phrase and the fact that the head coach acknowledges that they exist. I think there's just a lot of there's a lot of good spirits right now. And I think that was just Boyd just being who Boyd is.
1: So AJ Green talked about uh, you know, his injury and the timetable of return and and you know, all of that is still kind of up in the air, but he was kind of doing some rehab field work, was I guess has been running on a treadmill. Um, so that's kind of positive news. Jeff Hobson still talks about the Steelers game as his possible return. Do you think he, he comes back any sooner based on the fact it seems as if he is ahead of schedule, or do you think they're gonna play it safe?
2: I, I I have no idea. I really don't. I I think I would also say that the Steelers game is probably the earliest that he comes back. But because I think having him for eleven strong games, I think is better than having him for you know eleven strong games and like a half game where he could you know threaten to get or there's a bigger risk of him re-injuring. I think just how important he is is going to allow them to just take their time with this and not completely rush him back. Obviously, they want to back as soon as possible, but I think. Like a week ago, we weren't even sure when he was going to get the boot off. And now he has the boot off. And I think we just need to kind of calm down here and not rush this to a point where it can get worse before it gets better.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, on the injury front, the Bengals have another from we mentioned it briefly. um, They have another on uh, the injury front with Joe Mixon um Joe Mixon tweaked his ankle luckily he had an MRI earlier in the in the week and luckily it shows no significant damage so he's kind of been day to day he sat out practice on Wednesday um if I were based on how they've been with injuries so far this year I would probably guess he doesn't play this week but I don't know what do you think
2: no I don't think he plays if he didn't practice today like he could get like a full practice on Friday but um it I hope Travion Williams comes back, too, but I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if he practiced it. I must have missed that update. If if Williams can go, then I don't think Mixon's going to go. If neither can go, I don't think that's ideal, but I think you're just going to see a lot more Giovanni Bernard and a little bit of Samaje Piran. But unless he goes full on Thursday after not going at all today, I don't think he goes, which is all in all, if you miss one game, that's fine.
1: Yeah, I mean he missed two last year due to injury, so we'll we'll see what happens there. But I I mean I would think he probably does not play this week if he's day to day, and the in the way the team has been handling injuries, and the fact that simply put they can't afford to lose any more high profile players for extended periods of time, so they want to let that heal up. Um, so that in, in itself is kind of some interesting uh, interesting bits of news for the Cincinnati Bengals here. Another another piece of news that uh may not be so grabby in terms of of headlines but there's a couple of players who were let go uh reserve players um and the team made one acquisition we'll start with the Bengals waving Jeff Driscoll from from IR obviously going to get an injury settlement settlement there but uh just i mean i guess it's kind of predictable right i mean the Bengals went with Dolagala and uh they they drafted Finley and then they obviously like what Dalton does in the offense so that is that's the direction they're heading and Driscoll's not their guy.
2: It's, it's all it is. Like there's no reason for him to be here for the foreseeable future. Um he's not gonna play all this year, but get an opportunity somewhere else, man. There there's there's people looking at for quarterbacks everywhere.
1: Yep, yeah, and uh I you know I don't know uh How significant his injury is, but I think they kind of tried to do him a little bit of a solid by keeping him around a little bit and and moving on from from him uh, a little bit further down the road. But we'll we'll see what happens with him. But Jeff Driscoll is no longer on the Bengals as of Wednesday. Um, Earlier in the week, the Bengals uh, got rid of kind of a surprising move. They got rid of Jordan Willis, veteran defensive end, former third round pick, still a young player. They got rid of him and uh, picked up uh, – it was Leroy Reynolds, I believe, the linebacker, a little bit of a smaller linebacker. So interesting move there. I hate to say I told you so, but I kind of figured the Bengals were going to pick up somebody, and it was going to be after week one because the the contract is not fully – you can't get the fully guaranteed money uh, as a player, and the Bengals have done this time and time again in terms of picking up a guy after a game or two – but um, it was a little surprising that it was at the sacrifice of Willis to me. But the Bengals also had such a great performance from some of their main guys up front last week. Maybe they feel that they can you know, let it ride with those guys and uh, they need to beef up the linebacker court.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, Willis is just a smaller Margus Hunt at this point, just a preseason star that just has not developed very much from his college days. And maybe he pulls a Margus a Hunt and improves – wherever he goes next I, I think he's with the jets now i think the jets who picked third in the draft picked up a waiver for him and there were a few teams that tried to claim him on waivers so obviously he was very a very popular name there again third year guy but just you know it just it just never clicked and unfortunately that that's an athlete who tested a lot better than what he looked like in college and produced at a high level in college but if like there's there was a clear difference from the, the time that he and Carl Lawson both entered the league about who was ready to contribute immediately. And obviously Willis was not there. And unfortunately, very similar to the offensive line in the NFL. If you don't have the proper technique entering the league, coaches are not going to take a lot of time for you to get up to speed because they got to implement scheme and in, implement the system altogether. So unfortunately, I just think Willis just kind of fell behind the learning curve a little bit. And in year three with a staff that invested nothing in him because it was the former um, coaching staff that really, you know, put it all on the line for him, it was it was just time to go. And when you have 11 defensive linemen and you only can activate eight or nine and he's just not as talented as the other guys, there's just not a lot of value for him. As soon as Kerry Wynn kind of stepped in, his entire value just evaporated. So best luck to him. But that 2017 class, man, it, it, a lot of it is gone now. And unfortunately, the top two are looking very good, but a lot of it has evaporated into the air.
1: Yeah, gosh, when you look at some of the recent uh, high picks, for the Cincinnati Bengals, really dating back to about 2015 or so, um, you know, first round picks, second round picks, third round picks. Um, there are not a lot of guys left on the roster. I mean, obviously you've got your Joe Mixon and and Jonah Williams is here, but he's hurt. Uh, you've got others that are, are still around, but man, those I mean, those are the those are the picks that you build a franchise around, and they're you know, it's it's hurting the team. It really is. Do you do you perceive Willis? Um, you know, you you mentioned his good kind of workouts and, and all of that. Do you foresee him catching on somewhere and maybe just in a different scheme, kind of doing what Margus Hunt has, was able to do for a couple of years with the Colts and be somewhat productive? Or do you think he's just not an NFL caliber player?
2: Well, the good news is he's with the Jets and the Jets have literally no pass rush, or no edge rushers. Excuse me. They have plenty of guys in the interior, but like they drafted uh, um, Polite from Florida, and they like cut him as a third round pick. So they were def- definitely in desperate need of edge rushers. So if there's any place where he can get opportunity to prove his worth, that's probably a good place for him to start. Um, that's a- another odd front scheme. So he's going to be used a little bit differently than how he was here. But, and again, that's kind of what happened with Marcus Hunt too. He went from a four, three to a more traditional three, four, which kind of fit his body type as, as a defensive end playing and more or less as like a five technique. So, you know, Again, like there was flashes in the preseason with Willis, but unfortunately, I was just against a lot lesser competition. And unless something really just clicks with his hand usage and his mental mental processing as a pass rusher, he's just a guy that just can barely stick around as like a baseline edge defender. And unfortunately, with the Bengals, there was just too many of those guys to keep besides him.
1: So aside from these, I mean, again, there's a little bit of a walking wounded vibe going on here. Aside from some of these injuries and and departures for the Bengals um, coming up here, uh, heading into week two, there are some uh, different players who uh, are not practicing. AJ Green uh, still won't play this week. Joe Mixon is day to day, but as we said, did not practice as of Wednesday. Uh, He may go Sunday, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. The other thing, Cordy Glenn still not practicing with the concussion. Is it time to worry about that being kind of a long term lingering thing, or are they still just being uber cautious here?
2: Like it, it's a concussion. Like these things hurt. <laughs> like yeah. I, I think we're we're just we're, we're extremely desensitized to guys coming back from like a week or two from concussions. We see it all the time. So if a guy misses more than just a couple weeks, you're thinking, oh man, it must be a serious concussion. All concussions are serious. If you suffer enough, yeah. Your life expectancy goes down. I, I never, I never played football. I never experienced CTE. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to speak for anybody who has to go through that. So yes, it's it's serious because it's a concussion. And unfortunately, the, the the protocol for most NFL teams in years past has just been, oh, you know, you pass a little light test, you'll be out for a week. Like just silent him for as long as he needs, man. Like at, at this point, there's not too much difference. Between Andre Smith and Cordy Glenn right now, especially a Cordy Glenn who's coming off a, a, of a concussion. So wait till he's 110. Wait till he's comfortable, and you know maybe he'll be back in a couple of weeks. But if not, it's it's a concussion and it has to be treated as a serious case.
1: Yep. I mean, we were used to you know, and, and it really wasn't that long ago that those were oh he's out for a week, but he'll come back. And now you know these things linger. These these um, the, the repercussions of having that injury is is uh, they, they kind of reverberate for a long time um so the the 49ers also uh are hurting at the running back position a bit they lost jarek mckinnon again for the the second year in a row for the season uh tevin coleman suffered a high ankle sprain against tampa bay in week one so he probably won't be playing so matt Breda and jeff wilson seem to be the guys who will be um taking the uh, the snaps for the for the the Niners there. Tyler Eifert got a veteran rest day. I, I'm a, I'm assuming um, you know there's not really much else going on there, and they're just kind of trying to play it safe with him. Uh, and then the good on the good news front, Auden Tate, who hurt his knee and and wasn't seen much uh, on on last Sunday, he appears to be. Uh, he practiced on Wednesday in a full capacity. So he appears to be en route to potentially returning to the Bengals. Do you see him maybe having any impact at all this week? Are they going to kind of continue what they did last week and really focus on Boyd and Ross?
2: Yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting to me because if he can play, then I would assume he gets activated over Farrah Cooper and Cooper was primarily used on special teams, but not in the same roles that Auden Tate was used. Um, Cooper was used on pump returns and kickoff returns when, um, Tate was mainly used in the preseason uh, as kickoff coverage and punk coverage. So two different roles for those guys in terms of who was replacing like Cody core. That was mainly, I think Brandon Wilson, maybe a little bit of Tony McRae as like that classic gunner. So I don't, I don't know off the top of my head who's going to be active over either Cooper or Tate, but obviously Tate has the more offensive value and it just depends on how they want to use him on special teams. Cause that's the, that's really the bulk of where he's going to play. And you know, when cooper was on the field i don't think he got he got any targets i think for the most part he was just used as a run blocker and and like we've talked about tate has really made strides there so i think there's so much more value with tate over cooper but it just depends on you know how they kind of divvy up the special teams reps i guess
1: yeah so um, that's kind of a little bit of the state of uh, both teams going into this week here um also interesting nick nick bosa Um, is who is the, uh, gosh, what was he, a top five pick here this year. He um, did not practice as of Wednesday either. So he's got some sort of ankle injury. And I think that that was what he suffered in the preseason that kind of kept him out for a long time. I wonder if that's
2: just like a day off, though, because he looked pretty damn good on Sunday. Yeah. He was was just like coming back. from that. He missed the entire preseason.
1: Yeah. I'm sure it's kind of, you know, rest, 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 full go, maybe – and that's, that's how the 49ers are playing it. We're waiting on hearing from Eric Davis of the Believe in 49ers Network. Uh, he's going to help us preview the 49ers game in just, just a minute here. Um, John, there was a, a question from someone in our live chat. Um, it was uh from Derek Rogers thoughts on the linebacker we added today the Bengals don't didn't add a linebacker today I don't believe I think it was maybe the the one yesterday that we mentioned earlier uh Leroy Reynolds um any any thoughts about him and potential impact on the team and uh how he may if if it all be impactful
2: yeah, so he was one of the seven guys that they brought in for a visit last week. Um, he was one of the older players that they brought in. Uh, he's 28 years old. He's been in the league for, I believe, his eighth year now. His major contribution so far in his career was with the 2016 Atlanta Falcons that eventually went on to win, to not win, almost win the Super Bowl, attend the Super Bowl. Uh, that was when I think he played the most snaps recently. Uh, he's kind of bounced around after that. He hasn't really played much regular season action on defense. He's mainly just been a special teamer. Um, and that's, I think that's what they're kind of counting for now. Like, like we saw, um, you know, they, they only played like Nick vigil and Preston Brown primarily on, on defense last week. Jermaine Pratt got three snaps. Jordan Evans got no snaps. Those guys are just the special teamers. So if Reynolds is active, um, he would just be a special teamer. Like we don't like, ex- we should not expect him to be on the, on the field for the defense at all. And there's not very much value that he brings there. He's kind of a smaller guy. I think he's about six foot two thirty. 28 years old. So he brings more veteran experience than anybody in that group for linebackers, which now the number is five. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets active, active over, you know, one of the guys on the, on the defensive line. Cause now that group is a little bit smaller. Um, but yeah, if he does play special teams for him, unfortunately um, there's not that big of a role until unfortunately it needs to be a big role.
1: So um, that's kind of the, the major news and notes for the, uh, the the Cincinnati Bengals as they head into Week Two, um, the, the the Bengals are 0 1. The Niners did beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31 to 17, so they have a um, they have they're coming off a nice win um, from there, and uh, you know we'll we'll see how they respond this week. Um, John, do you, how do you feel about this one going into it?
2: I don't know because I think right now the odds or the, the line is plus two for the Bengals because, you know, the 49ers are one to no and the Bengals are 0 1. But I, there was just a lot of talk about how Garoppolo just didn't very, didn't play very well against the Buccaneers, but it was a two touchdown game because the Buccaneers were just that worse. So maybe we don't, we, we have engaged a good understanding of how good this 49ers team is, but there's a lot of potential for them to be dangerous. And I think that starts with Kyle Shanahan. Um, just a, he's one of the very few offensive geniuses that I think, you know, deserve that, that acclaim. And there's just not a lot of big names on that offense. You know, you have Marquise Goodwin, Dante Pettis. Um, they have another, ro- they have another rookie receiver whose name I forget. No, oh, deep Debo, Samuel, um, and Jimmy Garoppolo, who, again, has, hasn't has played well of late and he's just coming off a torn ACL, but they still put up 31 points you know, on, on the road against the Buccaneers, so, uh, against a defense that should have improved this offseason. So there's just a lot of potential for them to be a lot more dangerous than I think a lot of us are leading on because this was a team that won like two or three games last year. But Shanahan did manage to get pretty equal production from Nick Mullins that he did from G- Jimmy Garoppolo before Garoppolo got hurt. So Maybe it'll take time for Garoppolo to get really acclimated into, you know, the Shanahan system. But they have da- they have the potential to be very dangerous, and primarily because a great offensive line led by an offensive tackle that I wanted the Bengals to draft, and Mike and right tackle Joe Staley, who might be a borderline Hall of Famer left tackle. He's still kicking it. He's still really good. And that defense line is dangerous. When you invest so many first round picks, like it's got to be good at some point. And like one of their high picks isn't even playing, the Solomon Thomas. So. It's just the addition of being boasted to that defensive line they can give them similar, if not more troubles than the Seahawks did. So I think there's potential for this game to be just as close as it was last week, even though the 49ers on paper may not be as dangerous as we might think.
1: Yeah. And the Bengals, uh, as they returned home in the preseason, they played some of their better football there um, really the last, last couple of games. So maybe a return home will, will also equate to a win here. Um, you know, uh, some of the some of the things that um, I, I find interesting, you know, you, you talked about Garoppolo and I'm I'm waiting to hear, uh, you know, I'm, I, once Eric Davis comes on, I'm, I'm hoping we can, uh, you know, ask him about that. But, uh, w- you know, one of the one of the aspects is Garoppolo was, I mean, it was well known. He struggled throughout the preseason and then really didn't play that great against a not so great Tampa Bay team this first week. One, you know, one touchdown, one interception. So I don't know how big of a threat he truly is. You, you mentioned that he may still be acclimating to things and obviously coming off a pretty bad injury. So um, I don't know. What do you, What are your overall kind of thoughts or inklings uh, of the Bengals' chances as they as they head into this week?
2: Well, again, I, I think if they play like last week, you know the mistakes will kind of even out. I think the run blocking is probably going to even out to be better. I think they're going to get some more communications on those combo blocks that were unfortunately the stroke, the, the reason why the running game was not re- really working against Seattle. Because overall, the offensive line I think played well for three quarters, and in pass protection, it helped. It held up about as well as it could against an absolute bowling ball in Jadavion Clowney. And in the run game, I thought they got decent push on the first level, but unfortunately. Just got to clean up on some of that second-level blocking, so it'll be interesting to see how different or or similar the game plans are from an offensive standpoint, but just like the Seahawks, I think that secondary for the 49ers is extremely volatile and extremely exploitable. I know they still have Richard Sherman, but he just got his first interception last week for the first time since like 2017, and I'm not sure if I can name one of their safeties as well, so there's a lot of potential for Dalton to keep up his hot streak without A.J. Green, and you know, I think only like, what, four or five running backs in total are going to be active for this game. So there's going to be a lot of passing as well. And Shanahan likes to pass out of that 21 personnel where he has two running backs on the field. One of them is primarily a fullback and Kyle U- 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 check So a lot of passing this game. There's going to be a lot of re- continued rotation for both defensive lines. It might just come down to who really gets tired first because this game could honestly go into the high 20s for, for how exploitable both defenses are and how much of an unknown both offenses are in terms of scheme and personnel and guys coming back from injury and all that stuff. So I I don't have a I don't have too big of an issue with, with them being two point underdogs because again it's a it's a losing team facing off against a winning team. But at the same time, like you know for as much unknown that the Bengals have for the 49ers, I think it's equal amounts of unknown that the Bengals don't know about the 49ers. So I, I, again like I like what I saw last week. And I think there's similar parts of the 49ers that they can you know, kind of capitalize on, but at the same time, it, it, it's still Kyle Shanahan and he's still an offensive genius and they still have playmakers that can really rip the secondary apart.
1: Yeah. One of the things I thought the, um, the Bengals did well last week that really, I mean, we saw throughout the preseason, even under Zach Taylor, but definitely in under the preceding regime. And even before that is the tight end, uh, tight ends killing them. That didn't really take, take shape uh, this This week, this last week with Will Disley, who uh, Seahawks fans really liked him. Brandon Schultz last week, who joined Mm -hmm. us, talked about Will Disley as a guy they really liked. I think he only had like one catch. Um, So I thought that was a a very interesting and and great job by the, you know, by the interesting facet and great job by the Bengals defense to um, corral him. Obviously, George Kittle is a very good player. Um, You know, any, any. uh, are, Are you scared of that matchup?
2: Absolutely, he, Kittle might be the best tight end in the league, and that's that's coming from a UC fan who loves Travis Kelsey. Like the, the fact that he can is is as good of a receiver as he is a blocker, and the like he's essentially a younger Rob Gronkowski at this point because he's so nasty in the run game. And he can get to linebackers very quickly, and he can just bulldoze any edge defender that he comes up against. But yards after catch, man, like Shanahan loves those play action rollouts where he just dumps off to Kittle either in the flat or running like a little medium crosser and just get kittle moving with the ball get some momentum with him like it's it's hard enough to cover him it's even harder to tackle him in the open field and i think almost 60 or 70 percent of his yards last year came after the catch and he got well over a thousand yards and now again that was with nick mullins as his quarterback so now he has garoppolo who should be better from a talent perspective even though he might not be all the way there yet but they're gonna have to get creative with how they can kind of minimize the impact that kittle that kittle has like last week it was keeping Russell Wilson in the pocket and and make him try to work things from a limited space. Now it's got to be basically bracketing a tight end who's primarily lines up from an inline position. So a lot of stress on, you know, Nick vigil, Sean Williams, Clayton fedulum, whoever lines up from a strong side perspective over the line of scrimmage and kind of just press him at the line bracket him, make sure he doesn't get comfortable releasing off of the line of scrimmage. And they're going to, and Shanahan is going to find a way to probably adjust for that you know later on in the game and, and maybe split them out wide a little bit more. But l- like I said, they might not run the ball as much as you know, as much as the Seahawks did last week because they're only going to have two running backs active. So they're going to try to, you know, utilize you know, Matt Burida and George Kittle as extensions of the running game with with some short, quick passes, just kind to try to get the ball out of grapple's hands a little bit quicker. And that's just definitely going to be something that they need to capitalize on. Make sure that if Kittle destroys them, it's in the underneath game and wrap them up quickly. and get to him quickly because he's a big man to bring down.
1: Yeah. um, You know, like I said, obviously last week, they, they did a good job corralling Disley, but uh, Kittle's a different animal altogether. And, uh, you know, who knows if now the Bengals have a, uh, you know, if they, now that they've put stuff on tape, if teams are going to play, you know, if they're going to be able to catch up on stuff, uh, maybe that, you know, the Bengals did not put out on tape during the preseason or, if it's, uh, you know, if, if the team kind of is still able to do what they want to do, even though now, you know, they've tipped their hand a little bit in terms of uh, potential predict, predictable play calling, that sort of thing. So um, we'll see what happens there. I have a pretty good feeling about this week, John. Um, personally speaking, I, I think that the, the Bengals, this is a game that they, they can handle. Uh, at least based on some things we saw last week, obviously got to clean some stuff up, but um, I think they probably could come out victorious. Maybe a 23 17 score for me. I don't know about you.
2: Here's my thing the 0 2 curse is extremely real. Like from 90, 1995 to 2013, 12% of the teams who finished 0 2 failed or didn't or made the playoffs. So 88% of the teams who start the season 0 2 missed the playoffs. So obviously that pressure is extremely high. It's going to be maybe the hottest game in the history of Paul Brown Stadium, approaching I think ninety-five degrees, mm. and you're going to wear all black. Like that—that's the plan. They're going to—they're going to bring out the black pants for this one. They're going to be sweating their butts off. But right after kickoff, yeah, I don't know about that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh it's a
2: great, great passion statement, but I don't know about that one.
1: Yeah. Um... I didn't know that. I, I didn't know it was going to be that warm. Uh, how's how's the humidity? What's the humidity like? Oh, is we're right next be- to
2: the river, man. Like it's it, it just, it just rained a little bit this week. It, it might rain at the end of this week. Oh, my God. This could be a nightmare. I definitely would not want to go to this game.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sure it still probably will be packed. A lot of people are starting to to buy back in, it seems, into the Bengals and what Zach Taylor is, is selling them. And be, obviously, based on what they did last week. Um, I do feel good about this game, but I, I do think this team needs to potentially get to uh, at least two and two uh, through these first four weeks. If they can get two two games out of these first four, um, preferably with one of them being against Pittsburgh, you know, I think I think that, uh, you know, that will go a long way for the rest of the season. I, you know, even though that the opponents aren't overly tough um you know the bills i think are beatable 49ers are beatable um pittsburgh at least looks beatable the Bengals almost had one first week i i just think that those three road games to start the season are, is really tough on a team so if they're able to get to 500 at least i think that'll go a long way and and maybe um you know having to be competitive down the stretch
2: i'm just glad that we're not facing pittsburgh this week because it would be a complete we're on to cincinnati
1: yeah, movie. that's probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably a good thing. And and maybe uh maybe hopefully they get a win or two in, before facing Cincinnati so they're not uh you know, they're not all over us. Well, we're uh we're waiting to hear from Eric Davis. He had confirmed with us earlier in the week. Um so we're we're waiting to hear from him to um help us break down the rest of week 1 and hear kind of from the other side of the fence. Obviously, he is with the the Believe in 49ers uh, podcast. So um, ho- hopefully we will get him before shows end. Um, but you got our take on it at least based on some things that we saw last week. And you can get this show, as I've mentioned, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bangles podcast. You can get it on cincyjungle.com. It's on YouTube. You can also get it wherever you get all of your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and uh, megaphone it's also shot out on other platforms there so um check it out how you can we appreciate the support and a little bit of a programming note or you know just some some updates um for those who subscribe to our channel uh the cincy jungle it's now called the cincy jungle podcast channel because we were adopted under this sb nation uh umbrella podcast just a little bit ago um So, and we've been excited about that and we've been basically kind of the main show there, usually doing, um, you know, two, three episodes, at least a week, usually, you know, this, this main episode, the listener question stuff that we do. And then obviously, you know, post game reactions and, or, you know, breaking news stuff, that sort of thing, um, we are the, the channel is expanding uh, and it's ex- expanding beyond this show, which is pretty cool. Um, so for now there might be a couple of more programs coming down the pike. Um, we'll let you know about that. but for now, uh, those of you who watch DNH Sports um, with Daddy O'McDuck, McDuck, uh, maybe if you if you do subscribe to our channel you kind of saw one episode i guess sort of randomly in there um so if you're in, if you are familiar with his show or if you're not familiar with his show definitely check it out my co-host is on there somewhat regularly i think right john i'm
2: i'm the face of the i'm the face i'm the only face of the show it's it's me and two puppets we yeah. have, we have animated we have animated puppets to life and they are just the weirdest people you ever meet so definitely check us out
1: yeah, it's, it's very cool. It's very unique, um, but still great insight. And, uh, John is, um, you know, a, a regular contributor on that program as well. So when you get sick of hearing my voice, seeing my face, all that kind of stuff then, and, and if you, and you prefer John, um, you get to hear him more often now. And then there also might be a couple more additions coming down the pike as I, um, as I mentioned, um, uh, probably programs that you are familiar with other bangles programs that you are familiar with and um you know we're we're hoping that that ends up being a, a pretty pretty solid relationship um i wanted to kind of do while we're still waiting here um i kind of wanted to do uh a, a, just kind of a little mini segment um on on something and it's you know, a lot of people play fantasy football. A lot of people bet on football, that sort of thing. So I kind of wanted to say, you know, what's a bad, what are bad beats, bad best bets, that sort of thing of the week? Um, either ones we experienced or if we want to give, hey, you know, maybe maybe think about putting some money down on this game, um, you know, that maybe that's some advice we could maybe give you. But I will tell you this, John, I um, I had a pretty loaded fantasy football team. And in doing so, I sat John Ross and Sammy Watkins in my first week one matchup, uh, because I had many others that were projected to do well. Um, And I sat those guys, of course, I was kind of like, well, Ross may have a decent game, but I kind of want to wait and see. And in doing so, I left about 75 fantasy points on the board. Um, or off the board, however you want to look at it, uh, and the worst part was I lost to my brother, who of course let me hear about it. Um, so uh, that was my bad beat of the week, and that's why when we do the fantasy football advice shows on here, it is usually with Scott Schultze because uh, I make decisions like that uh, a little too frequently. So that was my that was my bad beat of the week. Now, hopefully you've got something maybe a little bit more positive or insightful than something that <laughs> caused me to lose my fantasy, my fantasy game.
2: That, that is exactly why I quit fantasy. Cause I, I last year I benched Derrick Henry when he scored like 50 points or something like that in December. Yes. I, yeah. I had to get out of, I had to get out of the industry, but <laughs> I'm looking at, some of, I'm, I'm looking at some of the lines here for these week two matchups. I do think that, Oh, okay, so the line for now for the Bengals is minus two. So I think it's flipped from plus two to, plus two to minus two over the past couple of days. But also I'm looking at some other these lines. If anybody, and I mean anybody, puts down Patriots minus 18 and a half, throw your money down a well. Like, I I, under, I understand everything that's going on with the Dolphins and players wanting out and now the Patriots are dealing with a fiasco themselves. But, man, 18-point eight, eight, road favorites. That's just... Just put it on the Dolphins, man. Just put a couple bucks on the Dolphins. Don't think twice about it. If they really do cover, good for them. But, man, that's that's so... Re- it, 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 and there's another one here. Cardinals are plus 13 against the Ravens. Like, the Ravens just destroy the Dolphins. The, 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 the Dolphins are single-handedly manipulating, like, multiple lines for this week. Like, I don't know, man. Like, 13 points against the Cardinals, who, by all means, came back and almost beat the Lions at home from, like, a 16-point deficit. I like the Ravens a lot right now, but I don't know, man. Those are two lines that I think a lot of people should get up on. Like we just saw the Bengals lose by one when they were nine and a half point dogs on the road. Like I don't know, I, I just think it's way too early in, in the in the league year to really capitalize on some of those ridiculous bets.
1: Yeah, I uh, you know it's funny. I'm in a survival pick'em league, and um, you know everybody and er- almost everybody is picking the Patriots in that, and I just. I don't feel good about that. Um, not like they're not, gonna win, but probably, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, kind of in the chance that off chance that maybe Miami pulls an upset, um, you know, that would knock out a lot of people in the in the survival league for me. So that's, but um, you know, that's 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 a tough a tough bet to take, and uh, you know, obviously we've seen. We've seen week one mean a lot and also mean nothing. I mean, teams go and, and they show some things and then it never really, either they, they impress and then they just kind of fall by the wayside or, you know, it's just a fluke deal in the first week. They didn't play well. So kind of interesting to to see how that'll all play out, especially with this, with this New England game. Um, very interesting to see. Uh, I'm very interested to see how the Browns end up rebounding, if at all. Or, and or if the Steelers do the same, um, you know, obviously very poor showings by both of those teams going forward. But, um, you know, such is life. Well, I I think we're going to have to uh, maybe either reschedule or uh, I I don't know, John. We
2: We don't play the 49ers again.
1: Well, maybe later in the week is what I mean. Mm. Um, Maybe we can get him for a separate time. I don't know what happened there. Um, Sounded like he was confirmed and uh i don't know so if you hear something john let me know and uh we'll try and- yeah because I,
2: I don't like lying to thousands of people so i don't we'll, we'll try to get this figured out
1: i don't either i don't either but that's okay these things happen happens to everybody uh we we apologize that uh we promoted a guy who um i, I guess didn't show up but that's okay we still talked about the game itself you never really gave a prediction. You're a little worried. You said because of the weather. Do you have, do you have a score prediction, or uh, you know anything like that? Uh,
2: uh, I, I think it's going to be high scoring. I, I really do. Um, I, I think you're going to see a lot of passing. I think Garoppolo is going to be a little bit better. I think Dalton's going to play about the same. Might look the same in the box score, but overall, I, I think you're going to see similar, you know, strengths and similar weaknesses from the Bengals offense and hopefully that the, they get more of a second half groove going. And also like last year for as much as we dogged on, you know, the offense, you know, sucking in key situations, they were third in red zone offense. And I think that's something that a lot of people forget about bill laser in his, in his short tenure here, they were 0 three um, this week in the red zone in terms of converting to touchdowns. That's definitely something that has to improve. If you want to beat a Kyle Shanahan led o- offense. Um, I'm going to go in the area of like 27 to 24
1: Bengals. Okay, so you think they'll pull it off?
2: Mm, barely cover.
1: Yeah. Well, that, the twenty-seven indicates that there would at least need to be two field goals made by Randy Bullock. So that in itself may be a little bit of a. He, he, he
2: made he made two this week, but unfortunately missed one.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I kid, but I don't at the same time. Um, you know, before we before we get out of here, I you know, I just want to reiterate it was nice meeting a lot of you. Um, who tune into this podcast and or read cincyjungle.com, um, you know, that, that I met in Seattle of all places, just highly random and uh, very flattering that you would recognize me, recognize the work that John and I do. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful. It was, it was really neat hanging out with quite a few of you. And, uh, you know, uh, Just very, very cool. And, uh, you know, Wayne Downey says new subscriber from Columbus. Who day? Thanks, Wayne. Appreciate it. Um, So I I don't know, man. It was very cool. And then one little tidbit story that if you followed me on Twitter, you probably would have read, but um, I did not share at the beginning uh, was the fact that basically where we were sitting right behind us was Joe Kelly, the the former linebacker of the Cincinnati Bengals who played on the 88 Super Bowl team. Um, Heck of a nice guy. He was there with his wife. He still is in great contact with a lot of players with the team, both current and his old team. So my brother and I got to talk to him. Very nice guy. Showed us his AFC championship ring. He was rocking it, man. It was, it was very cool. Um, so, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, when you, when you do these kinds of trips, it's pretty cool, you know. Um, you, uh, you meet a lot of people that you don't expect to meet and run into a lot of different people. It's... The world's a funny place, man, but uh, we had we had a good time and um, I was I was glad that we ended up doing it. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked on it. You and I got to meet up and get to a game. It's probably going to have to be your neck of the woods, though, I would assume. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think those flights in L.A. cost a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, my don't doors open. If...
1: LAX. LAX is terrible to fly into. I,
2: I did it once and no. honestly, I probably wouldn't do it again. No,
1: don't. No. <laughs> terrible. My
2: my door's open if your door's open, man.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. You gotta, you gotta let me know. Um, uh, you know, unfortunately, we don't have. We've got a couple teams in LA, but uh, and if we had the LA game set up, we had it set up this year with the Rams. But we're still on about this, we're still, we're still on about this. I know, I know. I, I can't let it go. I, I hang on to things. Can you tell? Um, well, I think that's gonna do it for us. tonight. any, any final thoughts before we we jam out of here, John?
2: Nope, I'm good.
1: Okay. You're good. (laughs) John's good. We're all good. Enjoy the game this weekend. Uh, We'll try and get Eric Davis maybe for a subsequent later interview this week. So we will let you know if we are able to lock him down and get a a different time for him. Uh, But we appreciate all of you tuning in live. And for those who download the program after the fact, this has been the Orange and Black Insider. We will see you soon. Keep it to cincyjungle.com for all the news, opinions, analysis, breaking news, all that stuff. Uh, and we will be doing a post-game reactions video and and po- you know podcast episode, all that stuff. And we'll keep you up to date on any other additions in terms of shows to the network. Thanks, guys.